In order for us to be healthy, we need to look to tomorrow and not keep reliving yesterday because God allows new things in our lives. It doesn't replace what is gone, but it creates something new to focus on. This is First Person. Welcome to this week's edition. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us now as we meet Terry Roberts, a mother who experienced much pain because of the horrific act of her son killing Amish schoolgirls, but also someone whom God has used to bring his healing, forgiveness, and grace to a hurting community. We'll talk with Terry in just a moment. One resource you'll discover on our website is a full archive of past interviews, which you can stream and listen to at any time. Or if you prefer to take First Person on the go with you in the car or as you travel about, you can download our podcast from iTunes or use our new smartphone app. And just before we meet today's guest, please take an extra moment online to say thank you to the Far East Broadcasting Company for all they do to proclaim the gospel in nearly 50 countries of the world. FEBC is a partner with us here in First Person, and I urge you to pray for this great ministry, which means so much to me and countless millions of listeners. Well, Terry Roberts has known a depth of pain that many of us hopefully will never know. Her son, Charlie, was the shooter who entered an Amish schoolhouse in Pennsylvania and murdered several innocent girls. But there's another whole side to this tragedy which you'll learn about today. First, I asked Terry to take us back to that October day that many will never forget. Well, it was a day, actually, like today, the air felt cool, uh, but, you know, just a nice breeze, and it was an absolutely gorgeous day. And it was fall, so um, the, the leaves were turning on the way to work, and it just felt like a very normal day. And I went to work, and, you know, nothing in my spirit, you know, just um, made me feel anything negative about the day. It was a wonderful day, and I went to lunch with my best friend on the patio where I work at Sight and Sound Theaters, and I ate lunch, and we heard helicopters and sirens and lots of them. And I was like, wow, what could be going on in this area? And as, as we sat there eating, um, you know, and hearing these sirens, like what I always do when I drive down the street is I stop and just, I mean, I don't stop when I'm driving. I just offer a short prayer. Dear Lord, be with whoever is in need right now. Be with the responders to give the care that they need. And so I did that, you know, and we went on with our conversation, and I returned to my office. When I returned to my office, the phone was ringing, and it was my husband. And he said, I need you to come to Charlie's house right away. That was all that he said. Hmm. And I hung up the phone. You know, I said, okay, I hung up the phone. And as I descended the staircase from my office to go down to my car, just that feeling of foreboding inside just began to grip at my spirit, like, wow, something really bad has happened. And I got into my car and immediately turned on the radio before my short drive to my son's home. And WDAC radio was playing, and I heard them describe events of a school shooting in a local Amish schoolhouse, and some of the children had been killed. And immediately I thought, oh, my goodness, that's where Charlie parked his tanker truck, right near that schoolhouse for his milk deliveries. And I, as I listened, I heard them say that 
the perpetrator's name was Roy. So my immediate thoughts were, oh, my, what if he helped with a rescue? Mm-hmm. What if he was shot? What if he was killed? So in no way was I expecting the news that I received when I pulled into my son's driveway, and in front of me stood the state trooper and my husband. And I looked at the state trooper, and I said, is my son alive? He said, no, ma'am. And then I looked at my husband, and with these dark, sunken eyes, he said, it was Charlie. He killed those girls. What? What? No. No, this cannot be. And yet, it was true. It was our son, a wonderful husband and father of any of our children. Not that I ever was overly concerned with any of them, but Charlie, it's like, wow, I had no concerns for him at that point in his life, you know? Things were going well. It was like, this this could not be true. And then in those ensuing moments, I just fell to the ground in his yard and began wailing and lay there in a fetal position, feeling like everything inside of me would be expelled. Terry, before we go any further, describe the community where you live. You live side by side with many Amish neighbors. I do. I have Amish neighbors adjacent to me and across the street. So I, you know, and they're brothers, you know. So um, our property was sold to my parents uh, originally years and years ago when it was a dirt road. And uh, there's Amish all around us. So, you know, Chris is beside us and Henry's across from us. And then it was Henry's visit that day that was just so meaningful in our lives. Yeah, talk about that. Who is Henry? And he came to you early on after the shooting, didn't he? He did. He came on day one. As our house was filled with people and outside our home um, from all over the place. And there they were, you know, doing their, um, what, what they need to do, trying to get more information. Here we were wanting to be protected um, from this onslaught of media. So Henry had this desire in his heart to come to our home. Henry is Amish. He's Amish, yes, yes. And he's a neighbor that my husband uh, drove for, um, you know, for an Amish taxi service. Because as my husband retired from the police force, he chose to do Amish taxi driving in his retirement as his part-time job. And so he had driven for Henry, and we had a good rapport with him. And, I mean, my sister and Henry used to uh, ride horses together, you know, (laughs) so somebody that I knew fairly well. And we should explain that you felt that the Amish would turn against you at that point because your son had perpetrated this crime. So when Henry came to you, it was extra meaningful. It was, because all day long, I heard my husband rehearsing over and over again just that, that guttural feeling that he had of, we will need to leave our neighborhood, our poor Amish neighbors and friends. We will never face them again. You know, it was like he was sure that they would not want to see us. I hadn't thought that far ahead personally about that, but I did think, oh, my goodness, how could we ever face them again? So when Henry showed up at our door late afternoon, it was such a healing balm 
because he came in and he walked right over to my husband. And as my husband sat there at the breakfast bar with his head hung low, Henry just embraced him. You know, he, he put his hands on his shoulders. He started to massage his shoulders and just listened to my husband as he would go over his rant of those poor parents, those poor mothers, those poor fathers. We will need to move from here. And Henry just consoled him. I didn't even hear their whole conversation as I stood back um, into the next room and just kind of watching Henry. I eventually I saw my husband raise his head for the first time that day, look into Henry's eyes and say, "Thank you, Henry." And to me, that just made my spirit jump because to me that said, "Wow, someday we will heal from this." It's going to take a very long time, but we will heal from this. To see my husband look into Henry's eyes and raise his head for the first time that day was just such an inspiration to me. And you consider Henry an angel? I call Henry my angel in black because <laughs> that's what he was to us that oh, day. Incredible. I just felt like God sent him there to, to just give us a piece of hope in this very, very dark and bleak situation. And that was a harbinger of what was to come from the community. Absolutely. Uh, to have the funeral be the, what it was, being such a dark day for us in our emotions, and yet to have the Amish community come and surround us at the gravesite, wow. I mean, to me, that just speaks that, wow, how can anyone hold bitterness in their heart. And that's where I say that choosing to forgive is a choice. It's not an emotion, Mm -hmm. because emotions follow our choices. And we go into the choices with emotions, but that's what follows those choices. So for them to make a choice to forgive blessed us, and it helped on both sides the healing to just come forth. Since Charlie had committed this terrible thing, uh, you didn't want his funeral to take place before the funerals of the five girls who died. So yours was on Saturday. It wasn't publicized. But describe uh, that moment. You you spoke of a moment ago when the Amish came to the funeral. Yes, yes. Um, When we arrived at the grave site, we walked over to the the grave. And as we're walking over, uh, the Amish came around from the sheds that were on that adjacent property to the uh, cemetery. And they just started creating a circle around us. And it's like it was a hedge of protection from the media. They weren't allowed to be, you know, at the site, and yet they were out on the road with their telescoping lenses. And to have the Amish there, it was just such a, a, a blessing to us on that day. And then as the service ended, And the first parents to come up and greet us were Chris and Rachel, ones that had lost not just one daughter, but two daughters at the hand of our son. Wow. Who has anything in their heart that they cannot forgive or that they choose not to forgive? Forgiveness allows the bitterness to wane and gives us an opportunity to move forward in our lives more about forgiveness and healing from Terry Roberts today 
coming up on First Person. Last year, the Far East Broadcasting Company received over 2 million responses to its broadcast, reaching people throughout Asia and beyond. And the stories they tell of lives changed by the gospel and the new hope and purpose they have found in Christ is outstanding. When you visit firstpersoninterview.com, be sure to click on the FEBC banner. Find out about the daily devotional, How Shall They Hear, telling many of these stories. That's the FEBC banner at firstpersoninterview.com. My guest is Terry Roberts, the author of Forgiven, The Amish School Shooting, A Mother's Love, and A Story of Remarkable Grace. Terry, thanks for taking this time to be with us today. I have so many questions. Many of them are answered in your book, Forgiven, and forgiveness is the main theme of this book, but you had to forgive someone. You had to learn to forgive your own son, which had to be very, very difficult. Yes, it was. And a kind of a recent revelation from that, I felt that I had forgiven Charlie. And like the Amish say, we need to forgive daily. For me, I felt like I had forgiven him in that first week. And I didn't even think about forgiving him until, you know, this story was starting to evolve of forgiveness that I was hearing about. And I thought, wow, am I forgiving my son? And in that, I believe that I chose to forgive my son. However, with a recent diagnosis of stage 4 cancer last September, I went through an inner healing of sorts that one of the things that I did during that, those, some weeks of healing that I was just seeking out what God's will was for me was a realization that I was still holding some anger against Charlie. And so it was kind of a re-release for me, and I was able to say, wow, a lot of these hurts of even seeing Rosanna um, on a bad day um, builds up something inside of me, but I was actually able to release that, I think, in a very healing way, just through those guttural cries again, you know, mm-hmm. eight years later, that came forth from me saying, Charlie, Charlie, how could you have done this? And yet, I could find healing in that release. Tell me about Rosanna. Ah, oh, Rosanna. She is a beautiful young woman, certainly not living life as it should have been. She should be out doing the things that teenagers do, and yet she is confined to a wheelchair. She does not speak. She does not have the use of her limbs. Rosanna was one of the shooting victims. Rosanna was the most injured of the survivors, of the victims. And I go to see her every Thursday night. After a year, I started visiting with her. That's a whole long story that's described in my book. But I started visiting with them and taking care of Rosanna in the evening so that they could go about their normal daily activity and have her cared for. And I believe that those visits continue to be a part of my healing as along with a part of their moving forward in life also. Was it awkward at the start? Oh my goodness. The first two weeks were so difficult. 
what happened those first two weeks that I could hold my composure while I was there. And, I mean, even her posture of how she held herself was very distressing to me. And my heart just felt rent while I was there. And yet I held myself together. But as I drove home, as soon as I got in my car and turned on the ignition, I cried bitterly the whole way home and sat in my car and cried. And when I did that the second week, I sat there and I cried out to the Lord. And I said, God, I thought you were calling me to be a part of this family's life. And yet I certainly cannot be an emotional basket case every week. That's not healing for me, and I can't be of use to them if that's what it does to me or to my family. And so with that, I went back that third week, and I can't say I've never had a week that I maybe shed a few tears because she had a rough evening, but never have I gone into that deep sorrow again. So God carries me through that, and I just feel like you know, the Holy Spirit has just blessed me in such a way that I am supposed to be there. She's become a very special part of your life, hasn't she? She is an extremely special part of my life. I mean, I just love the way this family reaches out in any way to give Rosanna whatever opportunity in life to make her life better and how they respect life. Just seeing the joy that Rosanna brings, mm-hmm. along with all the hardships, mm-hmm. she brings much joy. To walk into that house and to hear her say, eh, you know, <laughs> that, she's just like, that's her greeting for me. Oh. And when I'm caring for her back in the bedroom uh, or, or you know, during her bath time and she hears her dad's voice come in the door, she just perks right up. Or she hears her brothers with their bantering back and forth and she will laugh or to hear her laugh when I say something funny. It's like, wow, none of us knows exactly what Rosanna is absorbing, but we know that she is part of our lives. There are so many other stories in your book of this uh, forgiveness extended and received. I do want you to talk about uh, Charlie's family and what's taken place with his wife and children. Wow. What was so hard in the beginning from my son's family all those firsts and moving into the ensuing months after this happened, it's like even early on I thought, wow, Marie will marry again someday and our grandchildren will have a new man to call daddy. They will need that. And yet I certainly wasn't ready for it as quickly as it happened and didn't even feel like it could possibly be God's will so early on. We have predisposed mindsets of what a person should do after a serious incident. For myself, it was always, wait a year before you make any big decisions, you know, in your life. So that's what I assumed in my mind would happen. However, that is not the way it happened. It happened very quickly. And so massaging that new relationship into our lives was difficult, necessary, and at times, stressful, I guess, because it just felt like, oh my goodness, how can this be? But it was part of the healing, right? It was part of the healing and accepting a new person into the lives of my grandchildren, even though I knew it was going to happen someday, was just difficult early on. However, it certainly 
was meant to be and was God's plan and God's will. Because as I watch this family, their new daddy is the perfect fit for, for Marie and for my grandchildren. And my grandchildren are whole and healthy and moving forward in life in a very healthy way. And I am so grateful, so grateful for this new man that has come into their family. He doesn't replace my son, but he is who God has allowed to come in and take the pieces and put them together in a way that they have been able to move forward in a very healthy and healing way. And Marie is a wonderful mother, and Dan is a wonderful father to my, my grandchildren. Terry, one of the most powerful images of this whole story was the fact that the Amish did not allow that school building where this crime took place to exist. They tore it down almost immediately, didn't they? And Talk about that, because I've seen the opposite happen in another part of the world where the building is left standing as, as a sign of bitterness. That didn't happen in your case. Absolutely not. Bitterness only leads to destructive feelings, emotions, and it just ravages us. <laughs> and the way I see a memorial that brings such sorrow and sadness, I am so thankful of that decision by the Amish community to do that, to allow that not to be a sad memorial. I mean, even in the way the Amish address the event itself, they refer to it as the happening. Hmm. I mean, really? Who else do you know that would take a tragedy in their lives and refer to it as the happening? That alone blesses me. But to not memorialize the sorrow and the sadness, but to move forward into the tomorrows, we don't forget what has happened. It's real. I mean, Rosanna is such um, a reminder of, of how devastating all of this was at the time. And yet, the choices by these families to move forward and to allow God to take the hurt and the sorrow and the anger and the bitterness and say, okay, I can release this to you because your shoulders are bigger than ours. Um, it is not for us to carry into the tomorrows. In order for us to be healthy, we need to look to tomorrow and not keep reliving yesterday because God allows new things in our lives. It doesn't replace what is gone, but it creates something new to focus on. This story of forgiveness and healing is so amazing. It stands as a testament to God's power and grace even in the darkest moments of our lives. My thanks to Terry Roberts. I'll tell you about how to learn more about Terry in just a moment, but I also want you to know that the book Forgiven is available as an audiobook from Oasis Audio. We'll put a link to that audiobook edition on our website, firstpersoninterview.com. As a matter of fact, that's also where you can learn much more about Terry Roberts and her website, Joy Through Adversity. The link's posted at firstpersoninterview.com. As always, we'd love your comments. Use Facebook, facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. Next week, our guest will be Matthew Elliott, who's telling us about a new African study Bible, the first of its kind. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. We'll see you next time for First Person.